Hey everyone, welcome back to the Last Word on Sense podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger, and welcome to episode 52. Joining me today, making his return to the podcast, he is the co-host of the Future Sickos podcast, is the one and only Jack Richardson. Jack, thank you so much for joining me today. How's it going, man? No problem, man. Anytime. I'm uh, I'm I'm doing okay. It's been a little bit of a rough shed lately, but uh for the for the sends anyway, but uh, I'm good. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's uh it's definitely no shortage of stuff to talk about, that's for sure. But as you mentioned, it's um unfortunately not been as positive of stuff to talk about as I think all of us would have would have been hoping it would be at this point in the year. And you know, I think it would have been fair to say there was always gonna be ups and downs in this year, but it's felt like the you know the one big up was the homestand at the beginning of the year where they you know they win four straight and since then it's been a lot of down um you know I, I think I've recorded so I recorded after that homestand and that was maybe one of the most po- positive podcasts I've ever done since started I started this podcast two years ago probably it was in the COVID shortened season so there's been a lot of negative to cover with this team I had Spencer Blake on two uh, about a month ago after that homestand and it was by far one of the most positive things I've ever recorded. And then the last two episodes over the past month or so have been a lot more negative. And I, uh, I'm not, I negative feels like the wrong word because we're just telling what we see and what we see has not been good on the ice since recording the last one in which when I recorded last, it was the Islanders game. This was like peak fire DJ Smith, like people, people calling for his head. Uh, they that they since they have gone three four and zero. They beat the Sabers, lost to the Devils, got killed by the Devils, got killed by the Sharks, uh, lost to the Golden Knights, killed the Ducks, and then beat the Kings in overtime. Uh, and then obviously yesterday, we're recording this on a uh, Thursday. They uh, lost to the Rangers yesterday. So, um, give me your thoughts on the team as a whole over the past couple of weeks. You know, has it been? Do you feel the record has? revolved around how they played have they been lucky unlucky to get this amount of points you know give me just where you're feeling with this team right now you know what i think i think it's interesting because the the three and four since that islanders game is, is a good perspective actually and you're right i think that's when it was it was kind of peak like this sucks right they they had just beaten the flyers i believe uh, on the saturday um where debrinka got two and then the islanders game was the alfie hall of fame one they lost that one uh so i guess it, it three and four is pretty indicative of the way they've played the problem is that they went on a seven game losing streak. So you can't really afford to be balancing back and forth with the wins and losses, you know, and, and it might be, it might seem a little, um, I don't know, maybe, maybe a little crazy that fans after every loss are calling for DJ and Dorian's head. But when you look at it, like that has to be the case because they're sitting here, they've lost 12 of 16 games and that's not going to cut it at any point in any professional sports league. Um, And I think, I think fans being fed up with what they're seeing on the ice is completely reasonable. Um, So I'm, I'm, I'm a little less uh, uh, fired up than I was around that Islanders game. I'd say, because, because that was, that was dark and they, they put some together, some good performance in the sense, like the California trip was, was like you said, up and down. It was kind of what we expected the season to be like a two and two split is kind of what we expected, but um, right now they're just, they're just not getting, getting it done. Um, and, and it's frustrating just the way they're losing games is really getting to me. And I'm sure you're the same way. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and as you said, you know, you can't go three and four after you've lost seven in a row, two weeks or a week and a half prior to that, you know, like the Detroit Red Wings have lost two in a row and no one's panicking out there because that puts their record. I mean, Hey, they lost one in overtime, but they're 11, six and five, you know, and they're looking good. Yeah. And like, again, if, if Ottawa was in the same mix where they got, you know, 12, 13 wins and, and, you know, uh, 10, 11 losses where they're up near at least that playoff bubble area, 
no one's, you know, maybe not no one, there's obviously going to be someone, but the concern would be way less about, you know, what, what have they done so far and what are they doing right now? And, and yeah, I, uh, I, I feel like last night was another breaking point with that island or the Rangers game. Sorry. Um, I didn't get to watch the third period. I had to run before then, but the first two, it just felt like every game encapsulated perfectly in that one where it's like, I felt like they played well for a decent stretches of the game. Like I think, it was about six minutes left in the second one I had to leave. And they were out shooting the Rangers like 22 to 15 or something like that. Like playing well, but they were down 2-1 because they had two just absolutely like, what are you doing moments where they let up goals in, you know, just like absolutely defensively bro- broken down plays. And then they get a power play with about six minutes left in the second period, chance to tie it up. And it's just the ugliest thing I've ever seen. And I heard there was an even worse four on four in the third period. Like, it's just, it's frustrating because I don't feel like the team is necessarily playing bad in terms of the overall picture, but they're, the the bad moments in the game are so bad, it's costing, you can't play just okay for the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's fair. And I, I pointed, I was on the Locked On Senators uh, postcast last night, and I we were talking about, you know, their starts, and, and they've started very well, I think, in most of their games. Like, they come out hot. And I was frustrated just because, like, how do you get a team ready for the first 20 minutes? And then in every single game, they trail off. And that has to be coaching to me because it it, it seems like, at least, the other team is making adjustments based on what they're seeing the Sens doing. And that's a problem. And that's something that DJ has not proven he can do. And look, I've been a DJ Smith guy for the longest time. Like I've I've had a lot of patience with him. I don't think it was fair to judge his record before this. And look, the overall record is going out and been circling a lot on Twitter because it's very frustrating. But I think I think I agree with Dorian that this is the only roster that he's had something to work with. Um, but at in saying that, they're eight, twelve, and one or whatever they are, and and that's that's not good. And you know, I think it's it's mid game adjustments that DJ is not doing a good job of. He's he's doing okay, like getting the team ready to play and but but after that they're getting outplayed throughout the game and, and mainly in the third period like the 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 fact that they're in all these one goal games and they're 0 10 and 1 when trailing after two is just ridiculous to me yeah and same with you know i think the other big weakness of this team and that has to come down at least somewhat on coaching is um you know a big part of the reason that they seem to lose a ton of these tight games is it's just complete defensive zone breakdowns just like and some of this needs to go on the players, but it's time after time after time. We've watched now for five years as well. And yeah, I will totally give I, the, the whole DJ Smith record as a head coach is X. That's a meaningless stat. They were trying to lose on purpose for the first two or three years of him as a head coach. Like, and he did a great job of what he was needed to do of trying to keep energy high. So, you know, it wasn't just a miserable season for everyone. But yeah, like this year specifically, I've noticed like, it, well, it feels like seven or eight times where they're either tied or down one goal and pushing pretty well in a game. And then they kind of get caught in their own end for 30 seconds. And then it's just this, like this play that anyone watching as a fan can tell what's developing. And you'll have three guys completely go and abandon someone in the corner and leave a dude sitting wide open in front. And there's an easy tap in for someone. It's like, it happens all the time. It's like, how, how is this still an issue? You know, it's like, okay, yeah, yeah once or twice, like this is a young team, it's going to happen here or there. And sure, you know, yeah, we, we lose a game or two in October because of it. Oh, that sucks. But they won off four in a row. They're four, four and one or whatever. And, and yeah, you could have set a couple of those losses, maybe could have been an overtime loss or, or a win even. That's fine. 
we're into the, me and you are recording on December 1st and this is still happening. You know, like last night, that second Rangers goal happened. Oh, sorry. The first Rangers goal happened specifically because all three of the players in front of the net went and looked to the point, which no one was blocking a puck at the point, by the way, all of them abandoned the guy in net and he got a tap in rebound off of a pad because, you know, Talbot's making the first save and then the guy's standing there wide open. And it's just, it's plays like that, that drive me nuts because yeah. it feels like that is at least what, you should be able to fix, you know, if you're, there's going to be times where you have defensive lapses and, you know, I'm sure we'll get into Drake Bathers in a second. That was a brutal play. That at least was just like a, oh, I can tell, like, it was just a stupid play. It was a bad play, but it doesn't, you know, that's not something you see happen super often. The defensive lapses in front of the net, where it feels like there's just guys hacking away at the goalie with free range, it happens every game and it drives me nuts. So I know you're pointing that third goal by uh, Kreider there, the tip in front, uh, uh, where they they missed the defensive coverage um, with Stutzel and Zub, and that one bothered me a lot. And yeah, we'll get into Batherson because I think that second goal was just just a brain fart from him. And uh, but but that's we'll get into that. But with the Stutzel and Zub one, it's like, look, I, I understand guys getting mixed up on coverage, and and sometimes it breaks down. Like it's it's a little, it was a little bit of a strange setup from the Rangers. They didn't have a bunch of numbers, so. I can see why both guys wanted to leave. My problem is that these are two players who have been here for three years. Like they've been here for the longest time under this coach. There's no excuse being like a new system. Like if it's to brink it, maybe or Giroux, you can be like, okay, it's 20 games in. They're still learning some ins and outs of the system. These guys like Stutzel has not had another NHL coach and Zub, same thing. Neither of them have had another NHL coach. That should be a system that's ingrained in your head. So the fact that they're getting mixed up shows me that the coaching is not getting through to these guys. And if you're Pierre Dorian watching that from the uh, press box, you can't sit there and say that this is okay. Because that is a glaring, obvious mistake. And it's on coaching and not like the players. Sure. I'm sure like these are conversations we're not a lot like uh, exposed to. I'm sure the coaches are telling them what to do there. But if there's a mixed message, okay, it's the centerman's guy. It's the defenseman's guy. That's on coaching. Yeah, and those are two of the better defensive players on exactly. this team, respectively, too, right? Like, I would say Zub's their best defensive defenseman. I mean, Jake Sanderson's making a good argument for that as well. But and, and Tim Stutzel is like one of their definitely of the high end forwards on this team. One of their best defensive guys out, out there, you know. So, and and that's the funniest part is I was actually talking about the first goal where Jimmy VC was right. left wide wide open in front of the net, got a tap in, and then put the rebound in. So it, it happens so many times every game that you can't even keep it straight. And these are just the ones we really remember because they're actually goals. How many times this year has the goalie also bailed them out on stuff like that too? You know, and I know goaltending hasn't been phenomenal this year, but it hasn't been the issue either. I wouldn't say, um, you know, I, I think, you know, Talbot's like just okay. Um, and same with Forsberg. I think Forsberg is look decent. You know, they've obviously each had a clunker or two here or there, but like, yeah, I just, I, I it's, it's frustrating because it feels like this team should be doing better. You know, like you, you watch the team, and generally speaking, I would say out of every game I watch, I feel like at least 60% of it, I come away and be like, they played really well there, you know, like whether that yeah. be the entire first period, parts of the second, or, you know, what I really find is after they let up that goal in the third period, it feels like all the time, the last 10 minutes when they're trailing, they just absolutely swarm the offensive zone and don't let anything up. It's like, where was this for the previous like 25 minutes of the game? And I know. I, I, know. I just, it, it's one of those things where I don't know. Like, so, I don't know if it's coaching or what, but they need to start putting together 60 minute efforts because you can't win trying for only trying for like 40. Well, the easy answer is coaching, right? Because you've 
now sunk all this money in term and all these players like you're not moving on from a guy like i mean this is crazy but you're not moving on from tim stutzel for that kind of play right so uh, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but I think it was Brock Sege from uh, Daily Faceoff. He posted, it was yesterday, it was before yesterday's game, so I'm not sure if um, it's updated or anything, but he posted like league rankings for 5v5 play, power play, penalty kill, goaltending, and then their overall rank based on all those those factors. So the Sens are 12th in 5v5 play overall. They're 10th in power play, 17th on the penalty kill, 16th in goaltending. This is out of 32 teams in the NHL. So all that adds up to 13th overall out of 32 teams in all those rankings, and they're 28th in the standings. That's ridiculous. And that's just a lack of uh, finish. It's a lack of, um, you know, clutch goals. It's a lack of of just bearing down. And look, you can sit there if you're I, – I appreciate uh, Dorian's approach when he, he spoke to the media about a month ago. Um, I appreciate <clears> – <throat> excuse me. I appreciated him preaching patience. My problem with that is, you know – do you are how how patient can you be? This is a young group, and are you banking on them eventually learning how to close out these games? Like the game in LA, that's a perfect example of what this team could be. I think that's a great example of what how they're going to play when they're at their best. The thing is, right now, that's not a common cause. Like that's not a common performance. So my my problem is like, do you waste this season with DJ as the coach? It looks like they're going to roll with him for a little bit here. We haven't really heard anything. Um, and I mean, I mean, I do imagine we'll get a press conference at some point tonight, maybe tomorrow be based on the form and deadline passing um, or coming up here anyway. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he stressed the importance of the next 10 games and they, they went like four or five and one, I think in those 10 games. So it's kind of what I guess I expected this season. It's just the way they're losing is really bothering me. Yeah, absolutely. And, and like, yeah, I want patience. And if you're looking at this as like a trying to go glass half full is, yeah, they have been their underlying numbers for the first time in a while look actually like really solid. You know, they're yeah. I think they're eighth in course or expected goals in the league the at five on five in the league this year. And they are sixth in Corsi four, which is very, very well, good. And- yeah, sorry, not, not to interrupt. The thing is, like, like I think I think analytics are are the are a great way to measure a team. The problem is they don't those definitely don't directly translate to results. Yeah. I think the, the ones I laid out though are are in line with what the analytics are saying. Like their 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 league rank in all these categories should make them a playoff team or at least a bubble playoff team. And they're a, a lottery team. It's just it's crazy that they're 28th and their overall ranking in all these categories is 13th so like you said about the analytics it's the same story but it's just crazy that the at like the the face fronting stats like that are also saying the same thing yep and well and i think here's you know where if you want to dig past even more and this is honestly more basic than the analytics is well how are they 28th they're 29th in five on five shooting percentage right now so you know some of that is bad luck some of that is i don't think they're you know they need to start finishing more and i feel like you know, I do. They're not the 29th best finishing team in the league. They have way more talent than that up front, of course. But you know, what I also do just what, hashtag watching the games or whatever. Feel like there are times where they try and get too fancy with the puck, and, and you know, they make oh. one too many t- passes, or you know, and then suddenly you're just jamming away a rebound inside of the net. And, and the other thing I wanted to point out was, um, you know, this is one of the biggest discrepancies I've seen in a while. So um, with, you know, of course he and expected goals as well. You, you can do five on five and that's really good over a full season, you know, big picture, you know, thousands and thousands of minutes, you're going to get a good idea. 
Well, you can also score and venue adjust them. And score adjusted is the big thing because we know in hockey, when teams have a lead, they play more defensively. You know, I've said, we, how many times have we watched the Senators buzz around trying for a goal in the last 10 minutes of a game? Well, when you score adjust these metrics, they go from sixth in Corsi 4 percentage all the way down to 12th. 12th is still a good number, but this is now more in line with the numbers you were just pointing out that the guy from Daily Faceoff was referencing, where, you know, now they're not a top five, top 10 team, they're middle of the pack. And when you're middle of the pack and not shooting, having some bad injury luck, but also playing bad defensively in key moments, you can't survive all three of those. You can maybe survive one, maybe get away with two. You absolutely cannot do all three. And so far, you know, let's be honest, they have been unlucky with injuries this year. Zub was out. Shabbat missed a good amount of time. Norris has been out all year. Um, but that's not an excuse because every team has injuries, um, yeah. you know, and, and you need to be able to fight through that. So it's, it is one of the things where I think, you know, like they're playing well enough where I could see, some shooting regression and obviously they pick up a couple more points here and there and it looks a little better. But my other question is like, how close are we to getting to the point where we've been at for like four years where every year they rattle off a bunch of wins in February because teams don't care when they're playing the Ottawa centers in February because Ottawa's 25 points out of a playoff spot. So you get yeah. every team's backup and listen, no one's bailing it in on the night in the NHL. But there are there are nights where you watch guys, you go, oh, yeah, he's not trying because this game does not matter as much as, say, like the Tampa Bay Lightning do or whatever. Right. Like, yeah. What point do we get there where teams are starting to treat Ottawa like that again? And I would argue we've already started. Halak started last night for the Rangers. Um, so at least the backup goaltending thing starting. But, you know, I, I just my only worry is that I hope the regression doesn't come right as start teams start to take their foot off the pedal so Ottawa gets back up to ninth last again and it's like well was this all just smoke and mirrors like it has been for a couple of years or was there legit improvement seeing some regression that we thought we might see you know well uh, yeah it's a good question because look I think they've already faced more backups uh, uh because of the Halak start last night so um I mean we'll see how the Rangers deal with it coming up this weekend because they also have a back-to-back they play on Friday night against the Sens and then on Saturday so if they give us a lack on Friday then that tells you all you need to know um, I, I think we'd get to that point probably around Christmas, like January, New Year kind of time. Um, I think this year, if they do go on some kind of run, it will feel a bit different just because instead of them, it feeling like them turning it around, it's going to feel like them getting what they deserved in a way. Right. I think, I think I'm looking at the Philadelphia Flyers with a really good start to the year, but everyone like they're kind of the opposite of what the Sens were, right? The Sens started poorly and have been starting poorly. Um, although we're not into a start anymore, this is now mid-season. Uh, you know, the Flyers started really well and then they regressed back to where everyone thought they would be in a basement team because they, you know, of all the underlying numbers and everything like that. And uh, I think I think a similar thing will happen with the Sens, but in the opposite way. So I I, I mean. I guess, I guess the question is, when do you get to the point where you want a high, a high draft pick? And, you know, I, I've put personally put a, a ban on all prospect talk for myself until January, just cause I don't want to go down that path again. Um, and look, I, I'm, I'm sitting here complaining about losses and stuff and, and that's what is, is needed because they, they've deserved criticism, but man, that weekend in California was fun. Like it was fun watching them win hockey games again. And that feeling is what I want them to go for. And, and I don't, um, I, th- I think a losing culture has, will take its toll. So I, I, there's a lot of factors because do I want them to keep winning and then they keep DJ? No, not really, because I think DJ's kind of reached his peak with this, this team. Uh, do I want them to keep losing and end up 
another lottery team. And look, the lottery is is a lottery. You don't have a good chance, even if you're dead last in the league. I don't really want that. Like, I don't want to to leave it up to chance about getting a guy who might be good. Like, look at Tim Stutzel. Like, he he's what? He's turning 21 in January. He's young, but he's been here for three years already. Look how much we've seen him grow. I don't want to have to watch another player grow like that with this core and and then figure out where is he going to fit in this core? Like they've got this team right now. I want to see what they can do uh, in a full season kind of thing. So I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not on team tank yet, but um, it's, it's one of those internal conversations that they are probably having. And I mean, thankfully they didn't trade that 2023 first round pick in the summer for Jacob Chikrin. No kidding. And that's why I couldn't believe when people are like, oh, we could leave that unprotected. It's like, you haven't seen this team on the ice yet. You need to at least see what you have. Um, yeah, it's just so deflating to even think about in team tank talk again. And like, I don't I don't blame people for doing like they're one of the worst teams in the league by the stand there. Yeah. But like, it's just so deflating. And I definitely agree with the losing culture where there's only so many years in a row you can lose this many games and not have it. And like, same with like, like Brady Kachuk has been a warrior through this all. He's on year five or six already of just being on a miserable team every year. It's like, and yeah. granted, you know, I feel less worried about it because he's now signed for eight years, but still it's just like, you want to see that change for his sake as well. Right. Like, and you know, I, I think this year I'm even more against starting the tank talk right now because I, I still, there's been talk about whether they should trade to bring it or not. And I am against that personally. Um, yeah. I think if it gets to the deadline and he makes it clear, he's not interested in resigning with you. That's a different story that you, you do probably have to look elsewhere. But even then, like you just gave up like, and don't get me wrong. The package was, you know, cheap for what to bring it is. But it's like, this dude is right in your core window or what it should be yep. of where, you know, like he's still, you sign him and he's turning 25 next year. I want to say 26, like he's still right in his prime window. This is not a guy we should ever be thinking about talking to trade no. on this current team. And it's just like, but I do kind of wonder if they pull the plug on this year, what that kind of says to a guy like to who's probably, who's going to be looking for some money in the next couple of years. I don't know. And I have no idea. Maybe he understands that, that, like, who knows? Maybe he understands that it would actually be for the best for them to try and go for a top five pick or whatever in what's supposed to be a very, very, very good draft this yes. year. But I just, I have a hard time believing that, you know, he just got out of Chicago. Chicago yeah. hasn't been any good for a number of years. It kind of seemed like he was excited to to hopefully start the upswing. I don't know. It, it's just one of those things where that's the big thing lingering in my head when people start talking about tanking is like, I think it's way too early to be calling it quits when you just tried to sell this entire roster that no, we're making a change and we're getting better here, you know? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And, you know, you're trying to not just sell a roster, you're trying to sell a fan base. Uh, this is this is a fan base that you've now lost, what, eight of nine at home after starting four and oh or something. I, I, that might be a miscued on the eight of nine thing, maybe six or seven or something, but it's not good. They haven't won much at home lately. So you're trying to sell a fan base and the Debrinket trade, the Giroux signing, the Talbot trade, like all of those were just invigorating for the fan base and it's why expectations were so high. So trading Debrinket, now of all times makes zero sense to me at the deadline. It makes zero sense. You have another year of team control. Worst case, if, if you, you know, pull up, pull a flames with Matthew Kachuk, talk to him this summer, say, look, if you're not in long-term, uh, then, then we'll look at options. And that's the way they have to go about it. 
because that's the way the contract structure works. Look, I, I don't I don't want them to move to Rinkin now because in a way you'd be selling low on a guy who you yeah, they you, shouldn't I trade mean, anyone now. They, they no. should, unless it's Zaitsev, of course. But like Yeah, yeah. And it was a it was a cheap package, like you said, but a seventh overall pick and a 32nd overall pick is not anything to scoff at or whatever it was, 37th and seventh overall. Like it, that's nothing to you know shake your head at. Like those are those are valuable draft picks. So you can't just sell them because you probably wouldn't be getting that back from anyone else. Uh, so if anything, I'm, I'm looking at the draft and, and, and the summer for, for Alex to bring it. I'm not, I'm not even thinking about this deadline. He's not a pending UFA. He's a pending RFA. Um, so, so I have no issue waiting to, uh, to sign to, to, or to move him. If anything, like that's a conversation for, for summer 2023 for me. Yeah. I just, it's one of those things where I wouldn't even consider, I like genuinely when it, it has not even crossed my mind. And when I saw people yeah. already talking about, it, it's like, what are we doing right now? But yeah, it's like the only, and the only reason you even would think about it is if he comes to you in the next couple months. And again, you could wait till the summer and that's, that'd be totally fine too. But the only reason you even start thinking about it would be, he comes to you and says, I'm not re-signing here. I don't care what happens. I'm not yeah. re-signing here. And I don't get the feeling that's the case right now, you know? Okay. So I'll kick you a scenario though, because let's say it's, it's approaching the deadline. You're a week. I don't know when the deadline is this year. It's probably mid, early March. Mid, late, late February late. probably. Yeah. So let's say we're mid January. Josh Norris can't play for the rest of the season. Like we'll see how, what happens with that. You get a couple more injuries to key guys up front who are out for the year. Then do you start leaning like at that point? I'm probably leaning tank if they're more towards. Yeah, the I think you could probably sell then some people can, in it, right? Like sure, and then you then you kind of not not consider the trade, but you're like, okay, like how valuable would a tank be? You know, is is Debrinket going to carry a, that kind of thing? Like that's the only only scenario I can see the Sens realistically wanting to maybe move him uh, this season at all. But if again, like I just it, it's so far from my mind. Like there's there's a ninety nine percent chance they keep him uh, until the summer, which is what they should do. Yeah, and even again that scenario, I think it's almost more likely they can keep him because it would be a yeah. lot easier to go to him if you go, hey. So we thought we were going to have this great number one center for you to play. He's out. Drew's out that we just signed and, and like Shabbat's out all year or something like that would be two pretty key injuries. Right. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, we thought we were going to have this loaded top six and then a great couple defensemen. We've lost two or a third of that top six. And we're not in a spot where we thought we were going to be this year. Let's reload and let's do it again next year. And oh yeah, if you sign with us, there's going to be this kid who's 17 years old, 17 years old now, but you know, this is a loaded draft class. And if you're with us three, four years in the future, he's going to be helping you out. So I think it's almost an yeah. easier sell, which might seem weird, but yeah, it's one of those things where I think we've already given enough airtime because I don't want to picture that at all. And I think things have to keep getting much worse for them to, to even think about it. Um, the one thing though that I, so you mentioned their their record at home. I didn't realize it was this bad. They have one win in their last eight home games. Um, oh God, yeah, like it is. Uh, it has been miserable. So they're going to get another couple of attempts coming up. Uh, they play at the Rangers tomorrow, but then the Sharks are at home. Uh, the Sharks visit Ottawa, and the Kings visit Ottawa as well. So uh, and then the Ducks in a couple in about a week and a bit as well. So um, we'll see where things go. I guess it's about to get busier as well for them. That's the other thing that you know I kind of mentioned. At the beginning of the year, when Talbot went down, they have a re they had and still do kind of I guess for a couple of weeks have a really light schedule in terms of travel or travel and back to backs. They haven't had a back to back yet this year. Their first one is this weekend when they yeah. go Rangers in, and then San Jose, and then they don't have another back to back actually for another couple of weeks until 
It is the 22nd to 23rd. They have one, but then things start to pick up. They go 22nd, 23rd, then they get a couple of days off, they get that Christmas break. Then you go, you play the 27th, the 29th, the 31st, and then the 1st of January. So you got a back-to-back there, uh, and then you have like four more back-to-backs in January. So it's it's getting to the point where it's like, it's good that, you know, especially because they have been injured early, that the schedule has been lighter. But we're going to start seeing this team play a lot more hockey games over the next two or three months as well. And they mm-hmm. need to be prepared to be going every single night. And one of the things I think that's going to be interesting to watch how they use is their goaltenders. Because um, right yeah. now it's been, since Talbot's got back, it's been pretty close to a 50-50 split, which I think is fair. I don't think either, I don't think either Talbot or Forsberg have played bad enough to give one of the other the crease. But I don't think either of them have played good enough to take the crease all to themselves either. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think. Yeah, I I think Talbot's been better overall. Like the numbers, probably he's stolen a game uh, or two. But Forsberg was really good in that homestand when uh, you know when they were getting all those wins. So you got to think about that. I think Forsberg's a great goalie. It's a good tandem for me. Like I like it. And when the you know you you get this tandem for back to back situations, it's a little bit difficult to analyze how they're using them right now, right? Because they're essentially just going with whoever won last because the team is is that desperate for wins to string together. So. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Forsberg gets the, I mean, this is the first back to back. So I wouldn't be surprised if Forsberg starts tomorrow and then you get Talbot coming back home uh, against San Jose on Saturday night. Yeah. It's a nice feeling knowing whoever's in the net. You're, you're just pretty confident in in what they're yeah. going to bring that night. Right. Like, yeah, it's, and not, not to say like, you know, I was always excited enough for Augustafson starting years past because you got to see what he was bringing, but let's be honest, the expectations weren't very high. It's, you know, and the expectations are much, much higher this year. And I, I don't remember the last time I went into the, even maybe the the rare game, the one game Helberg started, which he actually looked fine when he was playing with them. He did. But like, that's probably the only time I've come into a game over the past, like definitely this season where I'm like, Ooh, I don't know how our goaltending is going to do tonight. Like I just, I never really expect them to steal a massive game or anything. Like I'm not, no one's asking them to put up a 54 safe performance or anything like that, but stop 29 of 31. And that should be good enough for a win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and look, the, the, with the team, yeah, I think Talbot in LA is a perfect example because he didn't have to outplay quick. I think quick was the better goalie all around, but it's the timely saves that he needed to make and he made them and that's how they won the game. Um, I can, I think against the flyers, you, you know, we, you talked about the, the Islanders game was your last re- recording. I think that flyers game in Philly was, was probably Talbot's game where he stole, he stole the two points for the Sens. Like they got outplayed and then they won. So those are the games that are nice, but we're at the point now where the team doesn't need that. Like Forsberg stole them tons of wins last year because they needed it because they weren't a good team and they had a lot of injuries. This year, they're not a team that needs a goalie to step up and steal them a game. Uh, I'm thinking last year, DJ Smith's famous quote after they or right before, actually, they sent Murray down to Belleville what was, we need a goalie to step in there and steal us a game. And that's why they sent Murray down because he wasn't stabilizing the crease. And then Forsberg steps in and gets himself a three-year contract. Like it's a pretty cool story actually, but you know, that's what they needed last year. They don't need it now. So they just need a guy to step in there and make the saves they have to make. And, and that's, it's, it sounds really easy, but to this point, nothing's really calibrated. It's been a, a, a mix of a bad goaltending performance mixed with can't scoring mixed with a, backup goalie on the other team having a career game. And and I feel like that's happened four or five times already this year. So uh, goaltending's voodoo, uh, but but I, I do think the Sens have set themselves off with uh, or for success in that category for sure. 
Yeah, exactly. I, I don't I, I completely like the approach. And I think even like we're seeing teams like Carolina do it right now. Yeah. Honestly, the abs are another good one of like if you it's can't a two goalie find, league. Exactly. If you can't find yeah. that elite guy, of which there's about six of them now, you know, like there if you can't find your Shesterkin who struggled this year himself. Um Sorokin, um, I'll throw obviously Vasileski. I'll put Hellebuck in that mix and then like Soros and Demko, I think are, are probably some mix of mine. And then Markstrom's kind of on edge. Markstrom's a little more up and down, but, but you know, if you can't find one of those six guys, those guys are damn hard to find for a reason. I think the better option is do what a team like Ottawa has done and go, let's just get two solid guys. Then, you know, let's, let's get two guys where we think combined, they'll probably give us, you know, nine, 10 goaltending in some range. We don't know how that's going to shake out, whether that's one guy's a nine Oh six and the other ones, you know, a nine 14, or if they're both nine, 10 or whatever. But I, I like the idea of, yeah, we got two guys. We trust them both. If one's struggling, we can throw the other one in. If they're both rolling, we can just keep flipping them. And I don't mind that at all. So. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because I think at the beginning of the year, uh, Dorian and DJ did an interview with with uh, the Thirty Two Thoughts podcast. They did it together, and they were asked, you know, what's what would be a um, successful season for your your group? Like, what what would in- indicate that? So they kind of put them on the spot a little bit, and they both had different answers. So DJ said, if our special teams adds up to one hundred and five percent, so with penalty kill and power play. Um, and I'm just trying to look at them right now. Uh, their power play is 23.8 and their P power or yeah, sorry. Penalty kill is 77.7. So not quite 105, but not bad. Like those are good numbers. Like I pointed out earlier, like they're doing okay in that category. Um, and I can't really find team save percentage, uh, but I can tell you like Dorian, I think said if our team save percentage is 917 or something like that. And I can tell you it's not right now, probably. So, I mean, I don't know if even those stats would translate to them having a successful year, but it's just, it's a good indication of where their heads were at coming into the year. They said, uh, you know, if our special teams can kind of get us out of games, which they have so far kind of, but they've also hurt them at key times. Like last night against the Rangers, the power play killed all momentum they had uh, throughout the game and the Rangers used their penalty kill to boost it, boost their own momentum. So it's just a crazy way, the way that everything works out. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think 917 is a bit of a high bar, bar anyways. There's honestly, like, there's only five teams over a 917 this year, too. So goaltending's been down as a whole in terms of save percentage, uh, just at all strengths anyways. Uh, five on five, maybe it's a little more expected. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I think it, it's been one of those things where I wanted to bring it up only because, like, it feels like we don't talk about it too much, which is a good thing because it's been – I'm not going to say a non-factor, but definitely not one of the major factors as, as or major worry either for this team, you know? Yeah, it's it's easy to point to goaltending and be like, oh, that's our problem. You know, like last year, I think kind of a lot of their issues were masked by terrible goaltending, um, but you can't point to that now. So it's what what's the problem? And I think it's it's as the games go by and as the weeks and months go by, it's, it's just going to be keep pointing to DJ Smith and his staff um, that they're not the answer. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. Um, all right. The one other thing I thought we, we you know we should probably talk about, and we're kind of recording at a weird time for this because the deadline's actually today. It's Alex Formanton, you know, we kind of mentioned him earlier. Um, so you know, he, he needs to sign a contract by I believe it's 5 p.m. today. So two and a bit hours after we're done recording. Um, if he doesn't sign a contract, he cannot play in the NHL. Uh it, I mean it's it seems very clear he's not signing one with the Ottawa Senators. 
Um, I brought up on Twitter today, and I've got a mixed reaction. It's kind of shocked me, like, the coverage of this contract talk when it comes to yeah. mainstream media and just, like, how a lot of people are just dancing around that the, the the dollars are not the real issue here. It's that there's an ongoing investigation into sexual assault with Hockey Canada that, you know, he was a part of the team that's on it. And I'm not saying, I'm not implying that, you know, he's guilty, he's not guilty, none of that. But he hasn't made a statement and he was on the team that, you know, was accused of the sexual assault, right? And it's pretty damn clear that the senators are waiting for the investigation. Like, we heard at the beginning of the year that they were waiting for the investigation to be over before they made a decision on the contract. And to me, that makes total sense. I'm totally okay with that. Mm-hmm. I just can't believe the coverage of it. Like we've seen a couple different people from different sites. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna point one person to the other, but like we've seen a couple of people be like, oh yeah, it'll be interesting to see the senators aren't sure they want to sign them. It's like, but then they don't say the reason why. It's like, yeah, well, no, there's a very valid reason why. He hasn't gotten a contract this year, and it's not because they're haggling over $2.2 million versus $2.4 million, you know? And so I, I just, I, I'm surprised, to be honest. It's it's a very interesting situation, right? Because, like, every single player who was on that team, statement or not, um, that is in the NHL currently is playing. Uh other than Formanton. And I believe there were a couple who were up for contracts in the summer and got them anyway. Uh, you know, so that factors into it. I think, I think Formanton's status on the team, uh, like on the sends and in, in general factors into it. You know, if he's like a top guy, like top line guy, he's probably got a contract coming into this year regardless, which is take that as you will, like whatever that kind of sucks. But I don't know because it definitely isn't dollars. You're right. And, and, the elephant in the room isn't an elephant in the room because people are talking about it. It's just the, sparingly it's the hockey Canada situation. So I, I think it was, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not dropping a, a name or pointing fingers. I think Frank Cervalli had a good thread on it this morning. Um, or maybe it was him. I can't, I can't, I might be misplacing that, but did mention that the hockey Canada investigation is almost wrapped up. So you, look, if you're the Sens and you don't know this, I, I saw some people asking, like, can you maybe sign him with the intention of just suspending him until it's ready? But then it's like, you know, if you're Formanton, I mean, I, I know it's it's kind of backwards, but he's got these rights. If if that is the case, he doesn't need to sign. Like he could just, because if he signs with the Sens and then gets suspended, he can't really do anything else, right? Now at least he can go out to Europe and, and play if, if he wants to. So it's really, it's a tricky situation. Um, I, I think you're right. I don't think they're going to sign him. It was weird a couple of games ago, Bruce Garriock in the intermission was was mentioning that Dorian was looking at trades, potential trades. And it's just, I mean, okay. Like if they're going to move him, then then that speaks, that tells us everything we need to know. Because, you know, if the Sens are moving him because he might be involved, I, I think that would be a rash decision. Uh, but if they're moving him, I'm pretty certain that that means he was involved. So, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't expect him to be signed in the next two hours and 10 minutes. I will be shocked if he is, um, or traded or anything. So I, I think this deadline will come and go, uh, but Hey, who knows? Maybe, maybe th- this will be dated and then it'll, uh, he'll, he'll sign and be on the ice with them tomorrow. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how this is going to play out. I doubt it though. Yeah. I, that to me seems like the least likely thing is that he's yeah. signed with Ottawa. I, I think I saw, yeah, like Vegas was kicking tires on him and I thought maybe, Thought maybe LA is what I saw as well, but there was definitely a couple teams kicking tires on him. And, you know, and I, again, we don't know what kicking tires is. It could just be seeing 
hey, do you know where this investigation is slash where he falls? And, and you know, I, I understand. So, like, I've definitely heard of this. So two of the people that were on the 2018 team uh, that got contracts this year were Jordan Kyber and Robert Thomas, and they got big contracts this year. They um, did. They did. Yeah, and and I believe they have both come out and said, no, we uh, we had no part in that. And, and that's a one of the bigger things is that Formington's one of the few people who haven't come out. And then the next question people seem to ask is, well, what's the difference between him and Batherson, who also hasn't said anything? And yeah. I think asking why Batherson hasn't said anything is a fair enough question to ask. I got no issues with that. But the difference in terms of why one's playing, one's not, is that I'm guessing there's probably no legal ground to stand on to suspend anyone without pay until the investigation has wrapped up, right? You could suspend, like, if the, if the team wanted to suspend them with pay because it's this is a pending investigation, that there probably is. But, you know, then you're still paying a guy millions of dollars. So the difference is Batherson already had his contract. There's probably no legal ground to suspend him, even if they wanted to. And again, I don't know if they would want to or not. That's a whole different situation. But there's a difference between just having the guy play who's already under contract and, you know, you're not going to suspend anyways. And then giving a guy $4 million or whatever it is that he didn't have today and rewarding him with the guaranteed $4 million and then going, ah, we'll see what happens with this investigation. You know, those are two different things. And that's what the big difference is. I think if, in my opinion, anyways. Yeah, I agree. I I think, I think the big thing for me is is I, when it all came out and all the statements came out and everything, I, I believe a lot of the statements came out before the league announced it was doing its own investigation. And then I believe after the league announced it was doing an investigation, the statements stopped. Uh, and I also believe that when the statements started, um, the number of statements don't line up with the report, if that makes sense. Like, I yes, believe there's, yeah, a, there's, there's more a, outgoing players, like 15 yeah. people have given their statements. So that means there's only like four left, even though there were seven players. Right. Isn't so it? I don't, I don't want to read too much into Bathurst and Foreman's and not saying anything now. I will read into the fact that they're both on the Ottawa Senators. They're both represented by the Sens legal team. They're both represented by, you know, the, the representing the Sens organization. Excuse me. So I think there there is probably something there. Like I again, I don't want to speculate, and I I it, it sucks because when there's no new stuff to talk about, then it's it's hard. But it's this deadline brings it back up, and it's important to to discuss the, the thing that I I believe is probably the case is. Whatever Formington's involvement was, I think um, the Sens might have instructed Batherson to to not not put out a statement just because like they can't both or something like that. Like that's my and, and, and yeah, I've that's heard, my my gut feeling. Yeah, I've heard the, the a similar thing too, where the reason Batherson hasn't said anything is because if one of the two come out and say something and not the other one that really implicates the second person yes fair yes. or unfairly right and again yeah, yeah like it, it's one of those things where proven or you know like uh innocent until proven guilty that that's fine no one's sitting yeah. here saying they for sure did it they for sure didn't do it and you know we don't have that information however it is still a fair question to ask why they haven't said anything when so many yep. other people have you don't have to take those statements at face value as you said either you know like them if Batherson and Formington come out tomorrow and be like, yeah, we didn't actually have a part in that. That doesn't automatically clear them of any guilt either. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's at least a step past. They haven't done what others have done so far. And that's why people are asking the questions. You know, it's not no one sitting here being like they definitely 100 percent did it. You know, like 
they're guilty right now because we don't have those details. So no, no one knows. But the fact of the matter is they have done slightly less than what other people have. And that is going yep. to lead to questions, right? So they're, they're, the bar has been set on the floor or wherever you want to put it. And they haven't met that bar uh, no matter what their circumstances are. And look, not to get too much into it, because again, it's speculation and we don't know, but in the report, it, it when you when you read it, it's it's obviously it's horrific and it's just disgusting everything that, that transpired, um, and and the thing is though there there seems to be some like I I I, I gotta rack my my memory here, but I think they're all listed as John Doe. All the players, John Doe one was the person who invited the girl out, the 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 victim out, and. But I, then I believe the report also says that John Doe one was not involved in the rest of the, the like the terrible acts. So that again, that's a gray area. If I, again, if I'm speculating and I'm just kicking scenarios, but if Formanton or Batherson is that John Doe one, then like they're, I don't know how it were legally, but that, you know what I mean? They can't come out and say I wasn't involved because they were, but they weren't. It, that, that's a lot of gray area that I'm, I'm really hoping that this, thorough and and long investigation uh i mean look i'm in london ontario like i, I live here uh this happened in my like two two blocks down or two minutes away from my house like it's it's uh in and around this community so the london police are working hard on it and um they've reopened this investigation so you can only hope that they'll get every detail properly uh like right uh which is which is obviously my hope and because it was just disgusting what what happened and we'll get into all of that once it all comes out i think um but it is is important to discuss right now with this deadline because he he isn't under contract right now yeah absolutely and you know and as you said i think the most important thing is a obviously that the victim gets some closure whether you know what whatever that is to them uh i think that's you know, the most important thing to say. And yeah, hopefully with how long this investigation has been going on, you know, they get the thorough results that they've been looking for and, you know, some kind of appropriate justice justice is served. So, um, you know, I, I think we're, we're good to leave it there. Um, but as you said, the, the reason we're bringing this up is not just, it's not rehashing or anything like that. It's yes, there. this is relevant again, because, you know, it's now relevant on the ice, off the ice, and it's something that you can't just ignore, you know, it, it, someone replied in one of my comments, LOL, you're still talking about that. It's like, well, yeah, it's a sexual assault case. Of course, we're yeah. still talking about that. Like it's our, not, it's our, yeah, it's our responsibility. It. It's our responsibility to not let this be forgotten about because it's exactly. an easy thing. I think the problem with like people point to hockey culture and, and, and rightfully so, and how it needs to be fixed. Hockey culture isn't what these players did. Uh, because that's disgusting. And I played hockey all my life. That doesn't represent what hockey players are. What represents hockey culture is what happened after and how it was shoved under the rug. And we only heard about it four years later. That's what hockey hockey culture is. So that's what we need to do right now when it's still in investigation is make sure that the general public doesn't forget about it. And it's important because there's two senators players who were on that hockey team and are under investigation. So it's important that we as Sens fans are aware of that while also not pointing the finger and saying that they did it. I think it's a very fine line. Um, so anyone who's, who's coming after you for, for pointing that out is just they're, they're, they're wrong. And I think, uh, you know, it's, it's not fun to talk about and I understand people don't want to hear about it sometimes, but it needs to be discussed because it's it, the hockey culture problem is shoving it under the rug. Yeah, yeah, it, it needs to change. It's one of those things where, you know, obviously I, you know, I do this podcast because I want to have a good time. I, I want to enjoy talking about my favorite team. You know, I don't want to come on and talk 25 minutes about just an absolutely disgustingly heinous act that happened, but it needs to be talked about, right? So, 
Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that's a good place to, to move on from the Formington discussion. You know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on what happens with him and where that investigation goes. Um, let's hit one more topic. Just let so we're not wrapping it up on on such a down note. Maybe uh, let's go back onto the ice uh, for the Ottawa Senators here. Um, Nikita Zaitsev is back up with the big club today. Uh, he has been recalled. This <laughs> oh, wow! I said last night was a breaking point for people. Oh man, I saw even some of the most optimistic Sens fans on Twitter today just being like, "We are an absolute joke. What are we doing?" Um, I'm going to be interested to see what this call-up entails and whether they actually plan on playing him. I I don't really think there's a reason for him to ever be in the big leagues. That being said, if you want to call him up to sit him as the seventh defenseman to let Lassie Thompson or whatever play bigger minutes in the AHL, fine. It's just the second someone else needs – like if there's – they better not be calling him up because they want him to play a back-to-back this weekend. Is what I, that's all I can say, and I'm afraid it, that is probably why. Um, but to me, it's like the only reason he should be on your NHL roster is because you don't want whoever's in the press box right now to be in the press box. But as soon as someone goes down, it should not be Nikita Zaitsev going in for the replacement. I agree. Uh, what, what kind of made me feel okay about it is that Darren Dreger actually tweeted out about it and said Zaitsev call up to Ottawa is purely for depth and likely only for the weekend. So, okay. Uh, I mean, does depth mean he's in the lineup? Does it mean he's just sitting? Uh, I, I don't really know. Um, to is me, that, like, that really feels like he'll play against San Jose Saturday, right? Like Holden comes out, he comes in? Probably. I don't know. I'm I, sorry. Sorry. Pardon my language there. I'm just, I'm so, no, I'm I, just, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm just done. I like, I, I'm kind of numb to it, I guess. Um, this, this whole Zaitsev charade and it's the, nothing's going to change until ownership changes. Uh, which, you know, you told me this a year ago, uh, I wouldn't have told you that the ownership being in pending sale would be the most painful thing about this season. But I guess in in a way it is because none of this is going to change without ownership change. And um, look, I don't want to like take, take, take it out on a guy like Zaitsev, but he's just not an NHL defenseman. And cool. I don't understand why he's being rewarded as one. You've got Max Gannett down there. You, I don't know. Like, I mean, they got a long list of injuries in Belleville, but. There's probably a lot of other names that deserve a call up before Nikita Zaitsev. Um, even based on his play down there, I think he's like minus three in in three yeah, games. They went like, over three. Well. He was a minus three. Yeah, like like just... he's not an NHL player to me, and and it just it bothers me. So I'm I'm um, out of sight, out of mind until he call gets called back up and has to play again. So yeah, I mean the fact that Dreger tweeted about it is interesting. Um, he also tweeted out that expect a corporate announcement from Austin Matthews today as a sponsorship profile adds another big name. I, I don't know why we needed to know that. That's not breaking news. <laughs> um, so it's interesting what, what he's tweeting out these days, but um, yeah. Uh, Zaitsev being back, not good. Um, but what, what else do you expect? Yeah. They're uh, Zaitsev. The, the team Zaitsev plays for this year are 0 10 and 0 with him in the roster. The Ottawa wow. Senators are 0-7-0, and the uh, Belleville Senators are 0-3-0. That's so, crazy. Yeah, like, and, and again, obviously, it's not just him, but he's a big enough part of it. Like, and the, I've said it, like, people are going to be sick of it probably who listen to this podcast every every episode, but it's not a personal shot at him to say he's no. not an NHL-level player. That has nothing to do with his character, his personality. His skills are just not NHL caliber, so... 
Yeah, I, I hope it is just for the weekend, and I hope it's literally to be a seventh defenseman for both games. Um, I have a bad feeling it'll probably be holding out come um, Saturday because, you know, and which is like I don't mind having Holden sit a game, you know, back-to-back games at age 35. But again, it doesn't need to be Nikita Zaitsev jumping into the lineup. It, it should be Lassie no. Thompson. It should be, um, you know, Jacob Larson. Uh, hell, give me Dylan Hetherington. Like, I, I don't, at least I know he's only going to play seven minutes and be just whatever during those seven minutes. Give me, like, give me Anton Strahlman, who was on waivers the other Literally, day. no like, kidding, just, right? Like, you care. An old seventh defenseman, pick him up. But oh. yeah, so I guess that wasn't the uh, mood lightener that I was expecting it to be. But um, <laughs> hey, <laughs> well, we'll see where things go here. Um, you know, they, they, they play the Rangers tomorrow. They got the Sharks, Kings, Stars, Predators, Ducks, uh, Canadians, and then Red Wings. And that takes you to December 18th. Um, so it's a mixed bag for the schedule, you know? Like, I, I think it's, Unfortunately, we're at the point where, again, you can't consider anyone points you should have to win because you're at the bottom of the standings. But I would say if you're looking at this realistically, um, the Rangers are struggling right now. You know, they're not a bad team, but I think you need to take two points from them because you just dropped two last night against them. Uh, The Sharks are a bad team. Um, The Ducks are a bad team. The Kings and Predators are both okay you know like kings just waved their goal Kings played a 9-8 game the other night did you see that i know i against know the seattle and then waved cal Pedersen the next day Crazy. Their waivers. um yeah. the stars are a good team that'll be a tough battle um and then but you have the canadians red wings wild jets after that like it, it's just none of those teams are bad but like there's a bunch of games coming up where it's like if you think you have any shot of salvaging your season you need to start rattling off some wins and i don't mean going four and three like they need a stretch here where they win four or five games and then go on another three game winning streak or something like yep. that, you know, like, well, they, they need to beat the sharks. They need to beat the Canadians. They need to beat the red wings. Like those are games they should win. Um, And the other ones will, we'll see what happens, but they just can't let these losing slides continue because no, they, they lost three in a row and then one, two, and then now they've lost one. So get back in the win column and then like go from there. They, they, they've been a, I thought they were going to be a streaky team this year, but so far they've just been a losing streak team with a couple wins here and there. So um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how they do. Yeah. They need to start definitely putting some wins together. That's for sure. Uh, Jack, thank you so much for joining me today. Plug some stuff. Where can people find you and all that, all that you do? Yeah. So I, I'm uh, yeah. Thanks for having me. It's awesome. Always down to talk about the sends. Um, so uh, you can find my, my podcast stuff over at future sickos. We mo- I mostly just do uh, live shows on Twitter before the game um, with, with whoever's available. And then uh, I write for dine sports uh, press box. If you just look up dine sports in my name, you should be able to find it. It's all in my bio on Twitter. And uh, obviously on Twitter at Jack Richardson without the a in the Richardson. Yeah, I can't recommend uh, everyone go check out your stuff en- uh, enough. It's, it's awesome work. And, uh, you know, you guys do great work, especially over the Future Sickos podcast. I love giving you guys a listen, you know, pre, post, when- whenever I can, you know, whenever you guys are live. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for joining. I'll definitely have to have you on again later this year. And, and you know, hopefully there's some better stuff to talk about as the year keeps going on. You know, hopefully they turn around. We can talk about some win streaks next time you're on. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Thanks, man. Huge thanks to Jack for joining me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed as much as I did. Uh, And huge thanks to everyone for listening. As always, you can find my other podcast, the MNM Hockey Podcast. Uh, Wherever you're listening to this one, we had some exciting news the uh, other week. So highly encourage you to go check that out, especially if you're into sports betting. Um, 
And other than that, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and stuff. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Last Word on Sends. And you can find all my content at LastWordOnHockey.com. I've been doing a bunch of predictions articles. Some rumor articles come out every Monday or Tuesday. Uh, and we've got daily content that I think everyone really likes. So, um, yeah, thank you everyone so much for listening. I hope you all have a great week. And I'll talk to you all next week.